Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, also known as Squarespace Queen, and I've been freelance for about seven years and also run a community called Freelance Folk, which exists to help freelancers who want to be alone together. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Pratt. I'm the owner of Dive Deeper Development, a personal development training and coaching business. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at the work that kind of doesn't feel like work. So I think we all like having tangible outcomes because like, it makes us feel like we've done something. So, you know, you can look back over emails you've sent, you can look back at invoices that you've generated, workshops you've delivered, website pages you've created, and it's really easy to see the result of how you've spent your time. But what about the activities that don't actually feel like work or the ones that have got less concrete outcomes? So, Michelle, why might this be a problem for freelancers? Yeah, Katie, this is something that I noticed when I first went freelance. I used to work for a large corporate and it used to be like, you know, do something to add value. You must be adding value. And at the end of every day or every week, I either had a presentation or an exec paper that I'd written or a training program that I designed. And, you know, there were tangible things. And if you didn't produce these tangible things, um, you were you know kind of always shamed over it, really. Whereas I think as freelancers, we have to wear many hats, as we've talked about in a previous episode. And that can mean we spend a lot of time doing things where we're not necessarily doing things that we can bill for or we're tangibly producing something to give to the client. And perhaps, particularly if you've been employed previously, that doesn't feel like, okay, so we use my air quotes again, real work. It doesn't feel like real work. And um, we might feel bad about about these activities. But I think it's really important as freelancers, we recognise that doing some of these things are our jobs. If one thing, I think we risk burning ourselves out if, if we try and fill our entire working week with just things we're delivering to clients because in the background there's so much thing so much stuff that needs doing that if you fill your diary nine to five Monday to Friday nine to five if that's what you work with just deliverables you're gonna run yourself into the van very quickly and as a result I think that clients won't get a really you know won't get a good service from you if you run it that way I don't know what your what your thoughts are Katie yeah, I think as well, if we feel like activities which, which they've got kind of less obvious kind of outputs, if they're, if we think of them as less valuable, I think we do miss out on time that's important for development and for growth and reflection and other things like that as well. So um, the, the kind of things we're talking about, just to give people some examples, are things like just thinking time. I mean, most people don't tend to schedule time for thinking, but actually it can be a really valuable part of your business. And this is thinking time both for your own business and for clients as well. So for me, for example, last week, um, I spent a big part of my Monday thinking about how best to set up a community I'm creating for my business. And it felt at the end of the day, kind of like I hadn't done anything, but I knew that I had. I knew that without that time spent, I could have rushed into it and it wouldn't have been set up in the most thoughtful and useful way for when I actually do launch it. 
And I think you do have to make sure you're, you're kind of clear on what the difference between thinking time and procrastination is, because there's a point at which, you know, you have to just kind of go, right, I'm putting this out into the world without doing more thinking about it. But for me, I just needed to get my head around some things about how I wanted it to be used. And I needed the time and the space to actually sit and really focus my thinking on it and try a few things. And there wasn't an obvious outcome at the end of it. I didn't actually change anything in the community, but I had a really clear path of where to go next. And I think as well for when I'm thinking about client um, client work, quite often there'll be something with a website where there's a challenge or you know, a problem to solve in that the client will want something and maybe there's not an obvious way to do it. And again, spending the time thinking about that is what gets me to the place where I can then provide really good value to the clients by going, right, yeah, I've come up with a solution for you. What about you, Michelle? What what sort of things do you kind of feel like, yeah, that don't always get included in the kind of work box? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, for me, the obvious one would be personal development. So I was I was, I was doing one of these you know, strengths profiling tools a few years back and personal development came up as one of my strengths. I thought this is great, but how is me developing myself a strength that benefits other people? And when I sat down and thought about it, I thought, well, actually, no, benefiting, you know, benefiting my own personal development does benefit my clients. My clients do value that. In fact, I get com- compliments on it quite a lot. People saying, you know, oh, I really love how up- you're up to speed with these things, or I love how you're really on top of all this stuff. So they come to me because of that. And I think in the end, it does generate income. But just keeping your mindset, your skills, your knowledge up to date is really key. But because I enjoy it, I don't know if I always think of it as work and I certainly can't directly charge my clients for it. But if you're attending like webinars, going on training programs or doing coaching or your own self-study, I think that is one that it might feel like an indulgence, but it definitely is a good thing to do. I think the other one, Katie, is I do, I have had days where I've spent all day going from meeting to meeting, just having coffee with people. Um, and that has felt like, a day spending money and not really a day doing something business related but all of those people I'm having conversations with I'm having conversations with because they're in my network we have things in common and it wasn't that I was having those coffees with the expectation I'd be getting paid work off the back of it it was just nurturing and investing in those relationships um you know just just for the long term and it does pay dividends but it does it does feel like a bit of a you know, okay, you just feel, feel like you're you're dossing a bit just to go around having coffee with people. I do feel a bit like ab fab a little bit doing that, especially if there's a beer involved. And I think the other one is just looking after yourself as well, because I've talked about how I go to fresh walks sometimes. That is networking, so I have made some great uh, contacts there. But it is a little bit for me as well to recharge the batteries. And maybe I'll do that a couple of times a month. And again, you think, oh, can I justify it? You might spend money on travel and tickets you know, is, is is this really something that I should be doing? Do I feel a bit guilty doing it? Especially when my partner who works nine to five would love to be there and can't be there. I do feel a bit guilty going, but I also know that I'm a better person and a better freelancer when I come back to the office on the Monday morning. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's, there's, there's quite a few activities that we do, which perhaps we, like you say, we don't value them as much. Yeah, and it's so funny because I think even like even a freelancer who really kind of has gone into self-employment because they want the benefits of that flexibility and being able to do that I think we all have that kind of nagging feeling because it's been instilled into us over the years that if you're enjoying it it's not work 
And even when rationally we know that that's not the case, I think sometimes there's that lingering belief, especially if you're a bit older and you know you're you're kind of just coming out of the generation that felt like there was you had no right to enjoy your work. And I think we're probably amongst the first generation who really feel like we've got permission to find jobs that we love, not just ways to earn money. Um, and I think that that it's really hard to sometimes ignore that feeling of like like that guilt or that kind of oh well if I'm enjoying it then it's not work. That's what I always think about. There's a book called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And it's a really good book. And I really like what it talks about in terms of outsourcing and prioritising and everything else and like that. But actually, what he calls a 4-Hour Workweek is not a 4-Hour Workweek at all. What he means is four, he spends four hours a week doing work he doesn't like doing. And that's what he considers work. But he really works the rest of the week as well, a lot of it. Like, he spends some time with his family and things. But a lot of what he doesn't consider work... I would consider work. So I think it's about your definition of it as well. And yeah, I, totally what you were saying, Michelle, about like, like that, it, I have that freelance guilt as well. And we talked about it in episode 40 about the kind of freelance guilt. But, you know, my partner is also self-employed, but um, I feel like I spend much more of my time doing, yeah, the kind of abfab life, you know, going for coffees or having Zoom chats or... Um, you know, taking time off to go swimming or whatever, whereas he's just kind of working. But he always says, you know, because I'm, I do a much more creative job than he does. He's a programmer, which does require some creativity. But you know, he says he doesn't need that those that creative input that I think only comes from a break or that comes from recharging or comes from getting inspiration from other places. So, and ultimately, you know, we're choosing all of the we're we're getting those benefits because we're choosing the things that are hard about freelance life as well. So I feel like we should be allowed some perks. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, some of these activities, again, just thinking back to the employer mentality, you know, I talk about going on fresh walks or, you know, just attending a webinar or something that interests me, which is in my industry, but not directly to the work I'm doing today. And and they used to feel like an indulgence and you used to have to beg your employer to do them and you'd cross your fingers and hope your employer would let you attend that stuff uh, or even pay for you if you were lucky. Whereas I think these days this is kind of why you went into business so if something emerges in your industry and you want to go for coffee with someone who knows about it or if you want to spend one day in a workshop learning a little bit more about it whether that directly comes to something or not you can do it that's why you went self-employed most likely so you can can pursue these things but it doesn't it doesn't assuage the guilt sometimes or like you say sometimes it doesn't feel like work so let's have a look at then when it's for clients so if you're if there's things that kind of you don't feel comfortable kind of billing to clients directly. What can you do? Can, can you charge for things like the things we've talked about? Can you charge for your personal development? Yeah, because we were chatting about this, Katie, where we're, we're coming up with this episode. And I think this is a really interesting idea. You know, can can I charge for it? And I guess that, that begs the question, will, will clients pay for it? I think it might be a better way of putting it. Can you charge for it? You probably can't itemize these activities on your invoice. So you probably can't say thinking time on an invoice because no client's going to pay for that. And I do speak to other trainers, for example, who and they tell me clients don't want to pay for training design, which is really interesting. Um, but I think they I think they think that you have off the self training programs and they just want to buy one. And some and you can buy those offerings. And a lot of trainers will say, okay, well here are my off the shelf options. But if you create something bespoke they don't want to pay for the design. It's like, well, that's that's part of what you're doing. So um, 
I think you should pay for that and I think trainers should charge for it and maybe this is a topic for another day Katie but I think you do other people in your industry a disservice when you give some of those services away for free but um, thinking time won't go down well but clients do pay for a a, a well thought out a well-run business so if you are more knowledgeable because your personal development if you know how to find an answer because you have a good network if you can do things quicker or, or make you know shortcut yourself to success because you know the right people who can put you in touch with the right information then clients pay for that if if you are doing something that's really strategic well thought out and targeted and bespoke you can absolutely pay for that but of course you can't do any of that off the cuff so in that sense i think they do pay just probably not you know as a billable item so it's something that you'll add to your rate uh overall and i mean kate this was something we were talking about wasn't it adding it to your overall hourly rate wasn't it well yeah because that's the thing if you think about if you were employed what you'd expect to be able to do within your salaried income that should be what your freelance pay would cover too so if you thought you know if i was employed in the same industry you'd have the time to spend on a bit of personal development you know most workplaces will allow you to spend some time on personal development you'd you know you'd be you'd be covered to go and have a chat around the the water cooler as it were with with your colleagues you know if there was a team building or networking event you'd do that during your working day and within your salary so those things that you would i think that's my general rule of thumb is if i would expect to be able to do it during my working day if i was a paid employee then it would be included in my rates as a freelancer you know if if i'm just going for a coffee with friends and that's time to recharge i probably wouldn't include that in my rates but i think you've got to factor in like you say the personal development you know keeping current on everything to do with your industry time thinking about problems i mean i often when i'm you know putting together a quote for a client at first it will seem it will always it's always the same it seems something super straightforward and i think i can't possibly charge them my minimum amount for this because i've got a minimum amount i won't get out of bed (laughs) i won't do client work for less than a certain amount and sometimes it thinks seems like a 10 minute job and i think there's no way i can justify charging them so 75 pounds is my minimum charge i'm not kind of I'm pretty transparent about it. And so I thought, oh, you know, it's no, I can't possibly charge £75 for a 10-minute job. But actually, it always ends up being more than that because there's the initial discussions with the client. There's when you've done the work, you might come up against a problem and you might need time to think about it or you might need to research different options. Then the client might see it and they might have some little tweaks and you might they want to have a call with you before they sign it off. And there's always more than 10 minutes. It's never, ever just a 10-minute job. So I've learned over time, actually, yeah, that's why it's so helpful to have a minimum charge because it kind of protects me against myself in a way in terms of, you know, forgetting to include all those other things in my rates. And like you say, it's not just the time you spend on the project, but all the time that, it, you know, it took you to get to that place. Um, I know there's a quote. Is it's it the Picasso, Picasso? It's the Picasso quote, yeah. Um, which is where he, someone asked him to draw something on a napkin and he said, oh, that'll be some ridiculous figure. And he said, oh, how can you justify charging that much for something that took you two seconds to do? And he said, oh, I'm charging for you all the time that took me to get to this place to become the artist I am or something along those he, lines. He said, yeah, she said it took you five minutes or something like that. And he said, no, no, it took me my whole life, which yeah, is kind of it, true. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's one thing. And then I think the other thing as well is that we quite often get very fixated on time in terms of when we charge clients. But actually another school of thinking is about we charge what the benefit is to clients. You know, what value do clients get on the problem that we're 
solving. So there's um, a university that I deliver workshops for every year and I, t and I do the same ones every year. And every year I do review the, the presentations slightly, you know, update them, do a bit of research, add in some more information, but it's not, doesn't take the same amount of time as when I created them from scratch. But they value, you know, they value my, um, my, my workshops and the feedback they get from students enough to pay the same amount for when I included the, the kind of design time compared to when there's less design time. You know, for them, the amount I charge is well worth it for the feedback and the benefits they get to their students. And so it's not actually even about the time always, it's about the value that you add to your clients. You know, if, if, if you've got a client, you know, I have website clients where, um, you know, they've made back the amount of money that I've charged within the first few months just through sales on their new website that could take payments that you know that when they didn't have one before so it I think it's some of it is to do with the perceived value from clients as well yeah and I think and I think when you get to a, a level of confidence with freelancing where you're almost quite you know you might worry oh but if I include this clients won't pay or is it do they really think it's something that's billable and like you say it's the value that you add not the hours that you work or it's the solution that you provide not how long you, you spend on it and so that's something to think about in terms of how you pitch that or explain it to your clients and I think you do reach a level of confidence where you're quite happier to say look if you've got you know if you've got someone cheaper then then you know here's he, fine go ahead you're welcome to find someone cheaper but here's what you know I charge and here's what you're going to get as a result of it knowing full well that someone who's charging the absolute bare minimum has built in no time for iterations for problems for thinking or they're not bespoking or they're not adding that personal touch and I just think you start to realize all the things that are included in your service so yeah absolutely yeah, and I think you want clients that respect that about your work as well. You know, my best clients are the ones that that say to me like, "Oh, and charge me for this meeting because it's ended up actually taking up quite a long time." You know, I'm quite happy to do an initial kind of scope meeting or an initial pre-quote meeting um, that takes 20 minutes, half an hour. If I end up spending an hour and a half talking to the client through different ways to solve their problems. And that's moving into consulting and I'm then giving away my expertise for free. And so I'm reluctant to do that. So a lot of the time when clients, you know, if they acknowledge that actually, do you know what? Yeah, this is starting to get to the point where I'm taking advantage of your time. And I, you know, whilst I'm not necessarily gonna get anything out of it, I am paying for your expertise. Um, and I think you want that, you want clients that respect that. And I had a client recently who, I'd worked with before and um, I came to quote for another project, which was actually slightly simpler than the previous one. And I said, but to be honest, I think I ended up under quoting for the other one. And they said, yes, we know, please charge us more this time. Um, and so, you know, clients do appreciate when you put in that extra work, they often can tell that and they do appreciate it, yeah. I found. And they like to feel like they've got value as well. And I think that's where the, the relationship comes in. And the other thing that I thought there, Katie, as you were speaking, is about boundaries as well. So you mentioned saying when it crosses the line. And I think it's really useful for you and yourself to know um, when it's something that's adding value to your business or to the client and when it's not. And like you say, you, you kind of almost need those points in your head to be saying, well, actually, this activity you know, is not billable um, and that's fine, but I think it's worth doing for the relationship or because it really adds something here. And when it actually is crossing over into, okay, now this should actually be a billable activity. Yeah. And it is kind of weird when you think about it, what 
what clients do generally accept as billable activities and what they don't. But I always think it's kind of similar to my mindset around delivery charges. So like if I'm, I, I hate paying for delivery, like I hate it. And I would rather pay, I'd actually end up, and it's a stupid psychology thing, but I would happily pay 10 pounds more for a product to get free delivery if the de when the delivery itself just costed, cost five pounds. Because to me, I don't see the value in the delivery, even though I know that that is literally a, a very tangible cost for the, for the manufacturer, for the shop that's producing it. I really resent paying for delivery. And so, if a lot, you know, for some companies, I feel like, oh, I just, I, you know, I want you to actually build that into the cost of the product so that I feel like I'm getting free delivery and just paying for the quality of the product rather than anything else. And I think it's kind of the same as that with, with clients. It's kind of, you know, look at what they see, what they do get the value out of and increase the rate for that rather than, yeah, like you say, itemizing for that thinking time that they just can't get their heads around. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, Kate. And like you say, you want to be around clients who 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 kind of know what goes in to what you do and really value it. But I think we've mentioned on previous episodes, I know you've talked about this, we have a job to educate the client and to be transparent and to be open about what goes in. And I, I've had that recently, like I've said to you before, I've had a client who didn't necessarily charge for the scoping of the project they just wanted the design and the delivery of some training and weren't necessarily charging for the scoping they've now now we've had this conversation and then actually scoping time can, can go in and they're saying i hope you're you know putting this figure in properly and are you sure that's enough we thought it would be more so it's nice to get to that point but you've got to you've there's a bit of two-way communication going on there as well yeah exactly so let's have a look now then at when it's for your business rather than for clients. And so for clients, we can, you know, we can think actually all this work is for their benefits, so you can justify it. But when when it's not directly linked to tangible income coming in from a source, I think that sometimes it's it's hard. But obviously you 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 know, you shouldn't be asking your clients to cover all of your outgoings, I don't think. But I don't think spending time on it doesn't mean it's not it doesn't mean it's not valuable to spend time on it. Yeah. I don't know, Michelle, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think this is probably the one that's a bit harder for freelancers, isn't it, Katie? When you're doing something that benefits your business generally and you know over time it's going to add money or value. And we talk about money as value, but actually enjoyment, growth, intellectual stimulation in your business, it's definitely still worth doing. And this is the bit where I think the freelance guilt sometimes sometimes comes in. And, you know, we both have things that we do, partly because we enjoy them, um, but partly because we know generally, so we have a sense, even though we're not measuring it, that that's, you know, that profile, I don't want to use the word exposure because that has a, a negative connotation, but that showing up, that sharing, that disclosing with people, that holding those connections, I can't tangibly tell you how many pounds they're going to put in now, but I know that they will in the future. So it feels harder to justify the short term, even though you have this sense that it's going to benefit you in the long term. And I think that's where it starts to feel feel tricky, I think. And I think as well, actually, you know, like you say, most a lot of the time thinking can help you to generate money in the future. But I think taking time to think and strategize and reflect can actually also help you to avoid costly mistakes in the future as well. You know, so one thing that one thing i'm doing at the moment is i'm creating an online an online course and i had recorded the whole first set of videos and i was going to do it with the with the this kind of live chat support thing uh, as an added value for it and then when i stopped and thought about it 
I realized that actually I was kind of limiting myself a little bit because I was I was thinking right okay well you know I'm probably only going to have five people on it so I can do live chat with five people it's fine but I was like wait a minute what if this actually is successful what if you actually do get quite a lot of people can I handle doing you know live chat responses and being there and one of the other things is that I don't want to be tied to being somewhere at a, you know at particular times so I was going to say like oh I'm available in these times if you've got a question about the course and I was like, that's a really stupid idea, actually, on reflection. And I, and I was like, and, and it was annoying because I'd recorded all the videos and they referenced it. And so I am going to re-record them now. But I'm like, do you know what? It'll take me a day to re-record them. But the amount of time it's going to save me in the future of not being now tied to being there and being on live chat with people. Because that could have ended up taking up whole days of my time if the course took off so instead I'm moving towards having a community where I can then where everyone can ask questions in one place I can come in and answer them on mass and a lot of the time I'm hoping they'll be able to start answering each other's questions because that's what happens in a workshop so yeah it was you know a bit of time reflecting on that as and, and being willing to kind of just write, draw a line under that time spent is going to help me to save time in the future. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. And, and you know, Katie, that's thinking time for you is important. Like even just sleeping on an idea sometimes can, can be quite nice. I think as freelancers, particularly if you're very creative, you're very entrepreneurial, we come up with like 100 ideas. And I'm really bad, especially when I go to networking events. I come with a whole notepad of actions like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'll produce this thing. I'll do this content. I'll do that content. And then when I sort of take the thinking time and go, well, what are my values? what am I trying to achieve here what you know what do I want to be associated with, with what am I doing this for I look down that list of items and thinking well yeah they're fine but they're just not really going to get me where I want to go it's like I could spend hours producing this stuff or actioning this stuff is it really going to take me to where I am and I think sometimes freelancers it's very very tempting to like you know hurl yourself into a a whir of activity but it's not necessarily work uh, you know put a lot of stuff out there but it's not very worry thought through and, and also there's just loads of times when I've thought my ideas out loud with other people and they've told me a quicker way of doing something or told me why the, the thing that I was thinking of doing is probably not worth pursuing at all or perhaps there's just someone who can help me get to that answer quicker and if I hadn't taken that time that felt like an indulgence I would have put more effort more time and perhaps more money into something so as you say it can it can save you a lot of heartache a lot of time and a lot of cash in the long term too and I think as well just taking time for yourself I mean we talked about this in the previous episode you know switching off is really important and having that downtime is really important for your health for your well-being but also for your creativity and your business so I guess the final question people probably have is kind of, yeah, that, that all sounds very well and good, but how can I justify doing this thinking stuff? How can I afford to do it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely go back to our episode on guilt because we talked about that quite a bit in episode, I think, 40 it was. I think the other thing is just to recognise that this is your job. This, you know, as freelancers, we wear many hats. We, we, we now have the role of admin, manager, marketeer, salesperson, accountant to a degree. So I think this is your job and give yourself permission to understand that some of these things like having coffee with people in your industry is something that you should be doing. And it's it's sounds you know, business running practice. I think the key to do it is not just to indulge these things left, right and centre. As you said at the beginning, Katie, it could be a type of procrastination. I think it's just recognising what you want to do, being intentional about it 
and then just being really focused of those activities so if you're worried that you're spending all of your time networking then perhaps just have chunks of time so for me Friday afternoons in fact Fridays generally are quite good for networking I make some time on a Monday for some calls with people as well um, having time for thinking sometimes I book a whole day out so that I'm not being pulled in different directions yes it's a day when I could have been doing billable work but I usually move forward with a much better sense of purpose for having done it and if you want to feel good about it Kate just call it a strategy day I'm having a business strategy day I was about to say (laughs) the exact same thing I was gonna say that because I was gonna say if you think about the job of a CEO hardly any of their time is spent on deliverables like most of their work is thinking and managing stuff and actually we're kind of all CEOs of our own business. So we need to be acting like that sometimes, I think. You know, and yes, we are also the the worker bees doing the delivery a lot of the time, but I think we sometimes forget that we've got that other hat on as well. And so I think, yeah, if you're ever feeling guilty, just think, imagine you're, imagine you're like a middle-aged old white dude and you're like glass-fronted office doing all your like important thinking stuff and then you'll be fine. Yeah, a friend of mine, you know, Stephen uh, Bates, he says that there are kind of three main roles you have if you run your own business. You've got the doer, you've kind of got the admin slash manager, and then you do have the kind of executive role, if you like. And I think we've just got to balance our time between the doing, yeah, the admin, which we all know about and try to reduce as far as possible. But then, like you say, that is that kind of CEO aspect, which we can't really um, afford to, to, to neglect. And I think as well, one thing that can help if you're if you're someone who feels like just setting some time aside for thinking and having that be a bit unstructured doesn't really work for you, then you can always hire wonderful people like Michelle to, or just even find another freelancer and create your strategy day together to then create, you know, to have some structure and to, and to have someone to bounce ideas off. Because if I know for me, if I've not if I've not got a very clear question or a very clear problem to solve, if it is a bit more kind of unstructured, I really struggle. So there's some things that I'm quite happy doing by myself because I know exactly what solution I need to you know, figure out. But with with things like, you know, even just things like planning, I was struggling to, to do it on my own. Um, and so that's when I got the help of, of Michelle to, to come and support me. And, you know, that's really saved me so much time because what we did in half a day is something that I'd been dragging out for like three days to try and do but just not really getting anywhere so that's the other thing is if you find that you're spending too long on the kind of intangible stuff and you don't feel like it's adding value even you know taking into the points we've made then maybe look for getting some support on someone that can help you with that stuff you know yeah I think, Katie, you know, we've done this with groups, haven't we? We've just gone to a co-working space for a day with other freelancers and we've done like a little clinic session with each other. And yeah, you can have it, you can make it fun. And I think sometimes, again, that feels like an indulgence. But uh, we've had some great days, haven't we? In some interesting locations. We've taken snacks. We've taken some some food, some drink, and we've surrounded ourselves yeah. with good people. Snacks make everything better. <laughs> and some good tunes. <laughs> it's, it's definitely worth doing. Exactly. <laughs> so we always do this thing at the end of the episode where we say our kind of one takeaway that we would have to tackle this problem. So Michelle, if you could just do one thing to deal with the problem of kind of work that doesn't feel like work, what would it be? 
I think oh, okay I've probably got two but I'll, I'll, I'll join them together I think the first one I'll, is, I'll allow it I'll allow it just, just look in the mirror and say to yourself this is my job this is my job this is my job is part of it and then the other one be then if it is your job make it a priority so these things ring fence make time for them and that way you know you're not going to go too much but also you're not going to neglect them either make them put them in as if they were meetings for that you have with someone else or put it in your diary like you would if you were doing it for an employer what about you katie kind of similar yeah i'd say you know if you're if you know you're someone that doesn't doesn't kind of honor that time that thinking time with yourself then find ways to to kind of make yourself accountable so whether that's doing it with somebody else or um you know there's various things you can do like you can you know there's various kind of focused planning or deep work sessions that are done virtually where you can go and work alongside other people for accountability and you can say right these are my intentions this is what i want to work on so i think just yeah make time for that thinking and for that intangible stuff and find ways to make it work for you would be what i'd say so we're, we're keeping this one quite short today because we know our last two have been a, a bit longer. But as always, if you've got any uh, thoughts on the episode, any questions or any other tips you'd like to share, then you can reach out to us on Twitter at 99problemscast. That's the number 99, problems, and then cast as in podcast. And we will see you next time for another episode of 99 Problems, But a Boss Ain't One.